Vice President of the Value Teams here at SAP Concur, and today I have the distinct pleasure of having a conversation with Ben Pippinger, who is one of the founders of Xylo. Xylo is one of our partner innovation winners, and they provide unprecedented visibility, actually, into a customer's ecosystem surrounding IT purchases, specifically software asset management, which I know is a significant problem for some companies. So, Ben, wouldn't you please go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, Gene. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be uh, on your podcast today and talking a little bit more about uh, about Xylo. As, as you mentioned, my name is Ben. I'm one of the co-founders of a, a company called Xylo. Uh, we are a SaaS management platform. Uh, to give a little, little history, we started our company uh, about six years ago, really as the pioneers around SaaS management. And the reason we really started the business was we knew that there was a growing and escalating issue around the number of applications and the amount of money that uh, companies were spending on SaaS applications. And so we went out to solve that that problem and and really what we've built is a, a platform and a system that organizations can use to number one organize and get visibility to all of the different SaaS applications that uh, are being bought and used within an organization. Number two, optimize those SaaS applications from both a licensing perspective, from a rationalization perspective, from an overall spend management perspective, and then lastly, help with orchestration of those applications to automate and tie those applications and all that data together to get a good picture and create a system of record uh, for SaaS software and and how it's being used across your organization. Uh, you know, as somebody who has had to pay for programs like that <laughs> in a previous life, this is really intriguing to me, especially the way that business runs today. It's not just because of the pandemic, but we have a really big push within our customer bases around that employee-initiated spend. People feel that they have the ability to pay for something or to buy something, and they use many different spend channels to do it. So with the way that businesses run today, and we see customers paying for things that really aren't necessarily part of a normal expense report or P card, um, or they're doing it one-off, not opening up a PO, what are you seeing? Has Have things changed since you started the business? Has it gotten bigger or are things still, you know, just ramping up? Yeah, I, I love this question. You know, one of the first integrations that we built at Xylo was into Concur. And we've had a longstanding App Center relationship and partnership for that reason, because we knew the term shadow IT. If you've heard that term before, it, it gets different reactions from based on, on who you're talking to. But some people think shadow IT is good. Some people think it's bad. Some people just call it employee-led purchasing. Um, but it's always been out there, right? It's always been a way that um, SaaS applications are, are purchased. Um, it's one of the great things about SaaS is that you can go try these best of breed applications um, a lot of times for free and put a credit card in and, and turn into a paying uh, paying customer and, and use some of these great tools that are out there. But to answer your question directly, you know, we see um, on average across our customer base, we, we, we see about 300, a little over 320 applications in use. Um, and that varies, you know, as you go up into larger enterprise, uh, we see over a thousand applications oftentimes um, in the larger companies. And across those 323 apps, that's about $65 million in SaaS spend per company, per customer on average um, annually. So there's a, there's a lot of apps out there. There's a lot of money going towards those applications. And when you think about how that relates directly back to how people are buying those applications, 
employee expense is a, is a big part of that. Um, it's an even a bigger part when you think about just the number of apps that are being pushed through uh, expense reports. Um, about 30, 37% of applications that are bought are bought through bought by employees or employee-led purchases on, on expense reports or P-cards. And that accounts for about 7% of the overall spend. So 7% of that $65 million uh, is coming through through employee expense. So you can see the percentages are higher for the number of apps versus the spend, just you know, because typically those larger dollar apps are going through the PO process and um, and those sorts of things. But it is definitely a, a problem, and it's definitely um, something that people do need to get their visibility around to know what's going on. So I love the term shadow IT because that really what it is. It's lurking in the shadows. We don't really have a clear picture of it. It's kind of hidden, but hidden in plain sight. So I want to set a baseline, though, for everybody who's talking, and, and perhaps you can help me with this. We talk about the 320 apps. Are we talking about like apps that people download on their phone through an app store? Are we talking about things that they're just purchasing online? Are we talking about some of the larger applications that might be able to be used in a business perspective with a license, but now have moved more to that consumer-driven model? Or is it all of that? The 320, that's so that those would be software as a service applications. So SaaS applications that are delivered over the internet. Mm-hmm. And that can be that can be everything from like a large purchase, like a Salesforce, um, something along those lines, to something that you know employees are purchasing on their own, like a Miro, where they're out swiping a credit card and buying those applications on their own. So it, it runs the gamut there. I mean, it, it's it's across the board. So perfect. Yeah, I just wanted to set that baselines that everybody's kind of singing from the same song sheet here. So when we look at that, that idea that 37% of those purchases are employee-led spend, that employee-initiated spend, we see a lot of that. And and employee-initiated spend does end up on expense reports primarily. But you're not just looking at expense reports, are you? Are you kind of providing a single source of truth across multiple platforms where these might be hiding? For sure. Yeah. Expense reports are a great area of discovery for us. I mean, that's oftentimes where that, where the unknown lives uh, because usually those, those purchases haven't gone through a purchasing process or an approval process other than someone approved the expense report for payment back to the employee. Um, So we also hook into more traditional uh, purchasing flows as well. So you you think about the, the normal PO process or the normal way you're paying your vendors through your ERP system um, we're plugging into all of those areas where we really truly find 100% of the SaaS applications that are being bought across your organization, regardless if they're going through uh, expense or through sort of the normal purchasing channel. So yeah, we 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 pride ourselves on on giving customers 100% visibility to every all SaaS applications that are being bought and bringing it together into a system that makes sense of it all too. So I mean, it's it's important that you know when we find it, we've got a, a lit, we call it our library. It's our the Zylo library of applications. Uh, it's about twenty deliver twenty thousand applications that we're running discovery against, and that you know we bring to the table then uh, data about those apps. So what that app does, categorization, functionality, so that not only are we finding it, but we're helping you understand well who bought it, what department's responsible for it, how much are we spending on it, and what does that app do? You know, what are the, the actual capabilities and functionality of that application? Wow. Okay. So it's really kind of a one-stop shop for anybody who may, it it eliminates that idea of having to search around to figure out what it does, who bought it, why they bought it, why it might be important to them. It kind of brings it all right there in addition to understanding how much was spent on that particular SaaS product. 
exactly. Yeah. How much? And then, you know, what do we do? Right. Like there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of potential security risks that are introduced uh, by people using these applications and uploading sensitive data there. Um, so, so, you know, then helping people not only get the visibility, but then how do we solve these problems, right? How do we remove risk from, uh, from our environment? So, yeah. 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 So when I put on my procurement hat, I think a little bit about misclassification and I think about that hidden spend that hides in places where this is listed like a subscription or dues or fees. When you're looking for this within an organization across multiple platforms, how are you looking for this? Is it through that categorization and name recognition of, of what's out there or are there other ways that you're using? So we, we invested early in building out uh, an algorithm that essentially goes through the individual uh, line item details of both what an employee is putting into an expense report. So both the charge name, as well as the description that they're entering in, into uh, their expense report, and also goes through the line item details within an ERP system to really uncover uh, what was purchased, what that employee was actually buying. So the system is, is very smart. It's seen a lot of data to be able to process through all that and accurately represent those, those software titles uh, back into our, into our application. Then we, of course, rationalize all that data and sort of normalize it um, so that it's standard as you're looking inside of the Xylo platform. So when I think about this, then we've got the employee-initiated spend. We give employees kind of freedom to purchase without having to go through a larger process. And there are some customers who really like that, right? There are some organizations that really love that visibility plus the freedom of choice. But I'm sure there are going to be some customers who are saying, what's the big deal? We have people who are purchasing like this all the time. I don't understand why it's important to us. And if you could talk to me a little bit about the importance around this, is it tied to compliance? Is it tied to security and risk? What's the importance for knowing why these things are, are in your system and why people are using them? Totally. And, and really it's all of the above. There's, you know, there's security risk, there's compliance risk, there's spend risk, there's employee productivity issues that can come from this. Um, some of our data shows that uh, within sort of the average large organization, over uh, or 90 SaaS applications are purchased by more than one employee. So you, you just think about the, wa- the wasted time and, and wasted spend there just on that one stat alone, where you've got um, a whole bunch of apps that are just being, you know, individuals are out going and buying on their own. So what, what results in that? Well, they're probably agreeing to some sort of click wrap agreement that no one's really reviewed. They're just checking the box to go forward. Who knows if that those applications are compliant with your own internal controls and regulations and policies and standards that you're, you know, you're trying to live up to in order to deliver your services to your customers. Who knows, you know, what sort of data is being brought into those applications and where that data is being hosted around the world. So, so lots of, lots of questions, you know, you can start to peel back. And then I think you know, one of the biggest things is, is really just around cost optimization. And you, you just think about um, the amount of money that's being spent on all these applications. And, you know, as we sort of enter into a different economic climate than we ha- have been in, people are definitely thinking more about how do I, you know, cut back a little bit, tighten the belt um, in order to control my costs a little bit more. Um, and that's, that's a big part of this as well, especially coming off the pandemic where, a lot of software was purchased to enable employees to work from home and have a hybrid experience. Um, how do I then think about um, sort of level setting now and, and making sure that 
the tools are there that my employees need to use and that they want to use and um, all those important questions that need to be answered. So there's a lot of problems that we can solve by just bringing that level of visibility to then drive, you know, change within an organization to make them operate, operate better. You brought up something that I hadn't really thought about, hadn't really hit my mind, the location of where the data is stored and where the service is coming from the country or region. There are so many rules around who we can and cannot do business with from a federal government perspective, at least in the US, that becomes a really critical compliance point and could be a real problem for organizations, no? Oh, totally, totally, yeah. We've, um, we, we help customers with that all the time when they think about those, those related security risks. And yeah, so that, that's, that, that's a big part of the, the compliance um, angle that we bring to the table as well is just, again, it's, it's just bringing that level of visibility, um, which is nearly impossible to have and to have in an accurate manner without having a tool like Xylo in place to do it for you. Right. So we've talked about the whys and the problems that it solves for, that ability to have visibility into everything that's going on, the ability to continue to allow your employees to have kind of a bit of freedom while you still have some control over the process, the ability to remove some of the compliance and risk perspectives by having this as an overlay. But really, when we think about this, how do you know as an organization that you have this problem? Are there specific things that people should be looking for or types of reports they can run? Or just are there any tips on how you can find this? I like to say that any company that's using software likely needs a SaaS management system. And so really that's every company. Uh, because you, you think about the evolution of you know going from on-premise and data centers to the cloud. When people think about that problem, they oftentimes think about, you know, the cloud providers, like how do I get something I built and hosted myself onto an Azure or onto an AWS or onto a GCP or and onto any of, any of those, those clouds that are out there? How do I, how do I make that migration? That, which is a big problem. And, you know, there's, there's people out there that help you solve those, those problems and optimization around those things. But, but SaaS is, is just as big of a problem that oftentimes gets, gets sort of overlooked because there's within, within organizations, there's not really a centralized owner for, for SaaS or for software. But the spend is higher when you look in totality across uh, what people are spending on SaaS applications versus cloud. It is a, is a big problem. Um, and I think back to your question sort of affects all types of organizations. And I think, you know, things, symptoms, I guess, of, of how you know this is an issue is you're missing renewals. You know, are you caught on your heels and are reactive to vendors coming to you saying your renewal's coming up and then you're stuck mm -hmm. in situations where you can't negotiate, uh, you don't really know what you're using or how you're using it to be able to effectively go in and get a good renewal done. Things like lack of like a software purchasing policy, right? So you think about the employee expense side, do employees know if they can purchase software or not? Even if they don't know, are you tracking that? Are you monitoring that to know if that's accurately happening or not? Another good one would be just, you know, when you think about how software is bought within your company, is it going through centralized purchasing? Who's responsible for that? When you think about a, a procurement function, um, we talk a lot to procurement folks because, you know, they, they are typically one of the only groups within an organization that's got visibility across all the different departments and what they're buying. And so I think those are, those are some good, good areas to start. I mean, in the larger enterprises, uh, we work with a lot of software asset management teams and those software asset management teams, you know, they're in place 
or the, the reason that they were put into place is to help remove risk from the business. So, you know, rewind the clock back 15, 20 years uh, when, when SAM teams were put in, it was to help against audits of, um, of software. So if you had um, a larger software vendor come in and, and was going to check to see how you were using the software, the SAM teams would be able to respond to those and, and show how that software is being adopted and used. They've, they've sort of had to change their mind a little bit to, to now start to think about um, SaaS um, and not necessarily from an audit perspective, but how do I get out ahead to know that um, all these tools are being used effectively by, uh, by my company and the values there and we're preparing for renewals and all those things I talked about earlier. So um, it sort of touches lots of different parts and pieces, but I think, you know, back to uh, how do you know if there's a problem um, for using software, which I would, I would guess you are, especially if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> with SAP Concur, uh, you probably need to think about, how, you know, uh, how to get your arms around SaaS. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I think about it too, those are all really great ways to think about it. And I think about it just from the expense perspective. If you're using some sort of expense reporting tool or a P-card tool like a Concur system, either the company build statement or our expense um, Mm -hmm. tool, take a look at your reporting and look for certain categories, things along the lines of dues, subscriptions, fees, Um, Sometimes they're falling in under office supplies, equipment. You may even, if you have software listed as an expense type, it may be under software, actually under software. It might not, it might be hidden in plain sight. Who knows? Um, So those are the places that I would really take a look at. You might also want to take a look to um, Ben's point. Sometimes people are really very descriptive in business purpose or comment fields for those particular type of expenses. Take a look and run a report against those those business purposes because it might be software for X project or update to software that I bought during pandemic. There's a lot of ways to look for this in your expense tools that might be hidden in plain sight. It might be rolling up into another cost center that you wouldn't even think of providing reporting with within your ERP mm-hmm. because it's hidden. It's hidden in a more consolidated way. So these are ways, if you're a Concur customer, to take a look and see what's out there. The other piece of it would be um, if you're looking under your P-card processes, take a look at the MCC codes that you've got coming through and to your point, Ben, the vendor names. Run a report against that. See what's going on. See if they're being hit into the right categories. They might be under supplies. They might be under other type of office equipments and supplies that are under the P card as well. So take a look at those places as as indicators that you might have some work to do in trying to find and solve this problem and get yourself set up. You know, we've talked about what the indicators are, but as you're getting ready to prepare for this kind of effort, how do you get everybody on board? Because you've mentioned a number of teams. You know, we've got our procurement teams, we've got finance teams, we've got vendor management, we've got a lot, we've got risk. How do you get them together? That's a great question, but I'm going to throw one more stat at you before I answer it. Sure. <laughs> Based on how you were just talking about uh, hidden software spend. So 55% of apps we find uh, are not attributed as software purchases. So 55%, over half of the applications are not categorized correctly inside of expense. 
Yeah. So it's, so it's a lot. It's a lot. That's why we find so much, you know, that's why we're finding um, all these applications inside of employee expense because it's an employee putting it in and they may not know, or if there's no purchasing policy, like we talked about earlier, they're, not, they're sort of unclear on how to put it in there, or they might be trying to hide it. You know, to be honest, they might be trying to just sneak the, sneak the expense in. So it is, it is something definitely to be aware of. Yeah. Or there might be an expense, there isn't a proper expense type. So they're just taking a shot in the dark, right? What, what, what meets best? Oh, office supplies. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we see it in, we see it in travel and, you know, yeah. we see it in meals. I mean, we'll find it. We'll find it all over the place. And, yes. Yeah. I you love can't hide. Good, With Zylo, yes. you can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good software meal. I've seen some things like this under um, airline baggage fees as well. So, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, but back to the question about preparing and getting everybody, all the different teams on board. Who do you typically see? being included to make sure that this, the rollout of this overlay of looking for the SaaS, the SaaS applications, who do you see really involved and critical to the success of the project? Yeah, that's a, uh, like I said, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, when you think about software within organizations, I, I mentioned earlier that it's decentralized. So what I mean by that is you've got, typically you have your CIO, buying the large, what we call wall-to-wall applications. So those things that you're deploying across the business. Um, you then have your department heads. So you might have your CMO or your head of HR or your CTO out buying software they need in order to enable their teams to you know, do their jobs and hit their goals that they're trying to accomplish. And then you have the employee, the employee-led purchasing that we're finding in expense reports and things like that from Concur. Um, so it's across the board, but when, you, when it comes back to who really cares about solving this problem, and we go back to what we talked about earlier around why you know, the things that we're helping people solve, it's, it's risk, it's compliance, um, it's cost savings, it's employee productivity. All of those items um, are things the CIO really thinks about and cares about, right? So th- those are things that they need to be worried about, things that they need to be measured on. And so end of the day, it really rolls back over to the CIO and they're in the office of the CIO to need and want to solve this problem. Uh, but they'll have to do it in a collaborative way because they are going to, you know, they're going to have to work with lots of times, SAM teams are reporting to the CIO and lots of times IT procurement is its own group that reports into the CIO. So they've, they've sort of got the right people, but then they're going to partner with the business on these tools that are being bought by the, the different parts of the organization to, you know, make sure that, you know, they're going through the right pro- the approval processes and, putting them through the right security reviews and they're doing that on a regular basis and all those sorts of things. So all those, those things are, uh, are, are very important. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we help solve those problems. And like I said, sort of rolls back over to the, the world of the CIO. Yeah. And I think about it too, from the, the finance perspective, especially if you're a publicly held company, you have a specific signature authority, typically based on the types of purchases so if these are going through systems that aren't set up for the proper authority on signature alone, that too becomes a problem for finance. It's not just for a sure. problem for, for IT or, or, or procurement. It's a problem for finance. It becomes a significant you know, a, a conversation during audits. Yes. So something to, something to keep in mind there as well. Yeah. And and for, and for uh, finance teams too, just, you know, the practice of going around and forecasting and budgeting 
what spend's going to look like. Um, that's super hard to do with with software, and it's a it's a big expense item. So we oftentimes will help with that too, where you know finance teams want to understand what are people actually buying and what does usage actually look like, and how does that go into planning mode for growth within the company, so we know we're budgeting appropriately for for upcoming upcoming years. So yeah, yeah. yeah all really critical, especially during these economic times, right? There's there's a lot of uncertainty. I sometimes like to say, you know, <laughs> if you do business continuity right, things like things like the current economic situation or things that are happening from a worldview, uh, you already have a plan in place, but it feels like everything's coming all at once. We're usually used to having only one or two at a time. It feels like 15 of them are happening all at once. So it becomes really critical when you're trying to figure out how to keep your business running, how to keep the lights on and how to keep growth happening. Mm-hmm. This is a, this sounds like a, a, a logical way to help at least get visibility into where things are going. Yes. Yeah, totally. You mentioned something that is still is mind boggling to me about, you know, on an expense report about 55 or, or even in other places, 55% of these purchases are misclassified. Yep. I always love a good horror story. So do you have anything that you can share about the craziest misclassification you might ever have seen? We're not going to mention any names. We're just going <laughs> to what you might have seen. <laughs> well, I mean, we see, like I said, we see misclassifications and, and, you know, uh, meals and entertainment and things. I mean, we, we see a lot of uh, subscriptions that come through for, you know, things like music services and video games and, and some other services that I, I probably won't mention on the podcast <laughs> that, that pop up. Uh, but I mean, I think typically, you know, people are, are, are trying to do their best to get, to get things in. And, um, I don't have a, unfortunately, a specific, uh, I mean, we, we have seen some pretty crazy stats where employees, like single employees were expensing, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of software through the expense report process. And, you know, those things are obviously things we call it really quickly. And um, it could be lots of different reasons for that. I mean, it could be a, you know, a department head that's just expensing stuff, but usually if that's occurring, you know, the procurement teams and the buying teams want to get their arms around that pretty quickly because um, obviously they can likely get, better rates and better deals and things uh, going through all the right processes. So, yeah. And I'm guessing these were probably done on a corporate credit card as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I <laughs> seem to remember there was, what did you have? Like one company had uh, an employee expense more than a hundred thousand dollars worth. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Like on a company credit card. Yeah. Well, they're certainly busy. I'll give them that. <laughs> <laughs> really Lots of points busy. maybe. Hopefully they're, getting, hopefully they're getting points for that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so kind of to wrap up, the things that have stuck out to me really clearly are just the sheer number of apps that are hidden in this shadow IT area. Anywhere, you know, on average about 320, but for some of our larger customers, it's it's up to a thousand that are hidden and maybe not um, not easily visible unless we're really seriously looking for them and, and investing a lot of resource time to go and look for them using this AI and machine learning might be another avenue for some of our customers. The other thing that it stands out to me is, you know, 30% of these purchases are employee led. So I don't see that getting any smaller anytime soon. Do you? I, d- I don't. We actually have seen it increase in the last 12 months too. So, you know, maybe, maybe things will sort of plateau with, um, with hopefully things 
you know, going back to normal and, you know, people settling into uh, their, their work environments now. But yeah, I mean, we, um, I, I tell you what is not changing too, is that just the amount of applications that are entering into, into new businesses as well. So, you know, you mentioned the up, upwards of a thousand for the large enterprise, you know, we see on average about eight new apps entering into those environments on a monthly basis. So, so even when you think about, I get the visibility, check the box. Oh, you know, six months later, I've got, you know, a whole new problem because I, I haven't been tracking to see what's, what's new and what's entering into the environment. So yeah. it's a, it's definitely not a one and done thing. It's, you know, you get the visibility and then you gotta, you gotta put process and, and things in place to help, help manage it going forward. So. Wow. Well, this has really been enlightening. I think that as the business climate changes, as we move to more hybrid types of organizations, as we continue to look towards that retention and recruitment style where we want to allow our employees a certain amount of freedom of choice and a certain amount of freedom to work as they need uh, with tools that make their work easier, this becomes an even more critical part of all of those employee experience and spend governance uh, topics that customer that companies and customers are talking about. So I want to thank you for your time today, Ben. I really appreciate it and give you a chance for any last words, anything we might have missed, anything that I haven't asked about. I don't think so. I, I really appreciate uh, uh, obviously the time and uh, for those that are listening for for listening, it's uh, um, it's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversations. Well, congratulations to both you and Zylo again on your Partner Innovation Award. We're really thrilled to have you as a partner and really are excited to see our customers solving for some of the bigger business outcomes that they have facing them today. Yeah, 100%. We, can, we definitely couldn't be where we are without a lot of great Concur customers and, and helping bring visibility. So appreciate appreciate the award and appreciate the partnership. Anytime. Well, thanks. This is Jean Dion uh, here for the SAP Concur Conversations. You can find information about the Zylo partnership and um, conversations around spend governance and employee experience out on our SAP Concur website. Thank you again for joining us and please keep in touch. We'd love to hear suggestions from you on what we can talk about next. Next.